Hey guys, this is Juan with the Cinnamon Movie Podcast, letting you know that this episode is brought to you by San Marcos Mexican Restaurant, located right here at 2301 Southwest 59th Street in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Don't forget to check out their weekday specials, Monday through Friday and Wednesdays. It's the girthiest of all girthiest. It's the Margarita Wednesday, $5 margarita frozen or on the rocks great food and even better customer service and don't forget to let abel know that the cinnamon movie podcast sent you for an additional 10 percent off your entire purchase san marco's mexican restaurant great food and it's the only dine-in restaurant of the cinnamon movie podcast I wish I knew how to quit you. Love means never having to say you're sorry. You do. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Happy Monday, moviegoers. Welcome to a new episode. Welcome to the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Juan. And I am joined by the cast, the crew, the guys, Edward. Edward is. How's it uh, going? What's up, folks? Zach. Hey, back by po- popular demand. <clears throat> Long time no see. Hey, there you go. And uh, I'm your host, Juan. If you guys are watching us on Imasawa Productions, please don't call the uh, the paddy wagon to come after me. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, you know, I'm just trying to make sure aliens don't read my brain, my mind. I don't, I don't want to, hey. I don't want them to spoil what we have in store for you for for another great episode, another brand new episode, episode two thirteen, <clears throat> two hundred and thirteen straight episodes of brand new content. Um, whether it be movies like Signs, next week we're talking another Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Um, it's just been a really, really great week. And guys, we're uh, finally in October. We've said goodbye to September. We're in October. Um, but Ed, we'll start with you, man. How was uh, how was your week? How have you been? Not too bad. Not too bad. I got one question. Did anybody wake up Green Day? No. Well, dang. Okay. Well. No. Oh well. Uh, not too. More like a shredder helmet, actually. But you know what? I tried. I didn't get. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get the best in arts and crafts, but uh. We're hey, still here. You know. Hey, <clears throat> nah, listen, listen, Johnny, you got the foil hat. I got the water, so we're good to go. Um, I don't Zach... need a foil hat because they don't want to read my mind. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> Two uh, seconds Zach... in there, they're like, never mind. Zach, how you how you been though? You uh, you know, uh, we didn't tell anybody what happened to you, but um, you know, one of the last movies you got to talk about was Nope, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a uh, you got sent up into the uh, you got beamed up into the uh, spaceship. You got a little probing action going on. Hey, listen, um, there was a little bit of probing, a little bit of traveling. That's all. It was all over the place. <clears throat> they dumped, they dumped you back. They they uh, they let you have us for a 
they let them have they let us have you for horror season um kicked off a few weeks ago when we talked about pearl but today we're talking about signs uh you guys have been wanting to talk about signs for the longest time and now we are here talking about the 20th anniversary of signs it celebrated its 20th anniversary just a few months ago in july um but yeah guys we're gonna get ready to get into today's show we got a fun fun episode planned out you know we got a top five nice top five uh zach is debuting a brand new segment um and then uh we're gonna talk about signs so if you guys want to check out last week's episode episode 212 we talked about from dust till dawn go and check it out uh it's available now wherever you listen to podcasts you can watch the episode on demand on this youtube channel emus wall productions um and you can also you know spotify anchor podbean iHeartRadio, pandora amazon music tune in stitcher um and now we're all th- over the place all over the place and now thanks to uh, like always prescribed films network you can check us out on prescribedfilms.com um the social media it's all the same you guys can still find us on social media facebook.com forward slash the cinnamon movie podcast the instagram is all one word the cinnamon movie podcast and then the twitter is at cinnamon 405 probably the easiest and fastest way to get a hold of us is the email send us some quick emails at c-i-n-e-m-e-n-921 at gmail.com um so it has been a fun filled week here at the cinnamon movie podcast uh, you know last week we talked from dust till dawn we talked uh, top five robert rodriguez films um this week we're talking the 20th anniversary of signs um and then you know we we've always been in partnership with emsawa productions and their youtube channel but starting this friday you guys can download and listen to Friday the 14th podcast uh, audio where you listen to us at. So it's simple. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just click and search the Cinnamon Movie Podcast, and you can now listen to uh, Friday the 14th podcast on our station, um, available wherever you listen to us. So uh, this Wednesday, October the 5th, we're talking about The Fly. Uh, live on Emuswa Productions YouTube channel at 8 p.m. But again, if you want to download and listen to the episode, it'll be available this Friday, uh, the seventh. Friday the seventh, you can uh, download and listen to The Fly. Um, Ed, that's one of your favorite movies. Am I right? Hey, you know it's a disgustingly f- great thing. That's all that needs to be said. Um. So yeah, been been a been a fun week. Uh, I can't complain. Everybody else, you guys have a fun week. Yeah, yeah. it's been all right. Yeah. Glad to be back. So, <clears throat> uh, this episode, guys, is also brought to you by Rodeo Cinema. Rodeo Cinema is Oklahoma City's exclusive non-for-profit art house. Um, they have cinemas with two historic locations. Uh, the location that we always go to is right here in the stockyards in Oklahoma City. Rodeo Cinema, 2221 Exchange Avenue in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. To learn more in their bio on their Instagram, you can click www.rodeocinema.org or you can just search uh, Rodeo Cinema on Instagram. They offer a variety of film, music, and live events. Again, if you want to learn more, Rodeo Cinema 
org. Um, but guys, I think we're going to go ahead and get into some recent watches. Um, Zach, we'll start with you, man, since it's been a while. Yeah, I have a whole laundry list. So if you guys want to, if it's, you need to go to the bathroom, now's the time to do it. <laughs> no, um, and if you want to share some a little bit, you know, a little bit later or, or next week, go for it. But is is there anything in the past few weeks that maybe you have a, that you want to just put out there noteworthy and recommend? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been probably like you guys, been uh, keeping track of House of the Dragon, She Hulk, uh, right before I. In my final episode for a little bit. Uh, Better Call Saul had its series finale. You know, Very good we, series finale. We we haven't talked to you in a while, so let's let's go ahead. And I wanted we we dug straight into recent watches because there's some stuff I wanted to talk to you personally about. Yeah. Um, we were all dreading She Hulk. Yeah. I don't know about. I think you were too, but I know I was. Craig was. I don't think Craig has even seen an episode yet. Uh, Ed, Ed's always optimistic. You know, we we love Ed for that. Um, but what do you guys, what do you think? Like, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm all caught up to date with She-Hulk and I think mm -hmm. it's a fun, a fun ride that you just have to have fun with. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen the newest episode last Thursday's episode, but to it's me, fun. it's, it's, it's not bad. Honestly, people, there are people out there saying it's like the worst thing ever. It's nowhere near that. I think it, mm -hmm. it has it's some more, cheese. It's more, it's more entertaining than WandaVision. Yeah, I, there's some cheese factor to it, but I mean, it. It. I don't hate myself watching it, you know. Nope. You and know? it's easy. So. It's thirty. It's barely thirty minutes. Yeah, t literally like maybe twenty twenty five minutes, and that's it. An episode. So, I appreciate that. That it's short, sweet, gets to the point. That's it. Um, I'm, I'm only on season episode four of House of Dragons. What do you think so yeah. far? Non spoiler. I like it. It. I. I kind of go back and forth on it. There are moments where I think it's as good as game of thrones and other times i'm just it kind of it's like a drag to watch it sometimes yeah um okay. i like the i like the characters you know in the beginning i was I've, i was very much like yeah you know i i like this as much as game of thrones i like the characters i kind of i understand what's going on this last episode the time jump yeah it messed with me a little bit just because I, now I we've introduced no like no 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 it's just yeah, it's because we've introduced like ten more characters, basically. But I, I will agree. That what, one what, about, what about what um, about Lord of the Rings series? Are you did you have you been watching that? Are you caught up? Because I know you're the biggest Lord of the Rings fan. In Believe history. it or not, I have not watched it yet. There's really? just there's just a part of me that I'm just like I don't know. Have like you, have you seen it, Ed? I I haven't. They're like yeah. an hour and a half each episode, right? Yeah, that's why I don't want to get into it. Yeah, there's. Part of me wants to watch it just to see just kind of a different version of Lord of the Rings, but the other, the other part of me is like, you can't beat the Peter Jackson movies, so why are we even yeah, trying to do exactly. this? I'll probably um, do that over my vacay. And then I gotta ask you both this because I'm only on episode five, but are you guys are you guys in love with Jeffrey Dahmer like everybody else is? Dude, I'm it's done. like the newest thing. It it's is, like the newest thing. But you know what? I'm five in, and it's so fucking good. It is. I I I I, I want to go watch it right now. I want to go finish it, dude. I've fi I finished it probably I know four or five uh, days ago. I know your ass would have finished it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So the thing is, is I uh, I started watching with my wife a little bit, probably twenty minutes of one, of the fourth or fifth episode, one of the two, mm -hmm. and you know, I was just like, oh, okay. You know, I was like. How, how far along are you? And she's like, oh, about halfway. I was like, oh, 
okay, well, I guess I'll stop. Uh, do you mind going back? And she's like, no, not at all. And the next night when I got to actually watch it with her, she basically was almost finished. So it was just like, okay. So watched it, and I think it took maybe a week to finish the entire series. Yeah. So. Um, I like that they're only 45 minutes to an hour long. Um, it's just been – it's. Been... I don't know. It's just been a breath of fresh air, and I really wish I had I had the time to finish it. But Evan you know, Peters I, kills it, man. Yeah, yeah he I've does. heard I've heard nothing but great things about his performance, and even like the, I think people just forgot how much of a sociopath Jeffrey Dahmer was, and I've heard this show kind of really depicts that. So he watched, I don't know how many hours, but I know it was a lot of hours. I mean, certainly almost as many hours as we've watched worth of film wise. Uh, on Dahmer, you know, any and everything mm-hmm. about Dahmer, he's, you know, he, he emulates the talking. I've watched interviews now and the talking manners, yeah. the t- walking manners, different stuff like that. He nails as well as like, these are like 85 to 90% true to the actual reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least what he explained, what Jeffrey Dahmer himself back in the day explained, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're as close to uh, that because some of the actual court cases, once you get into that further in, are, I mean, almost spot on. There's a huge so, reaction. So Zach, are you are you all man. caught up with Dahmer as well, or are you still yet to get I, into it? I haven't watched it yet. No, it's, uh, it's apparently it's on my to do list because everyone keeps talking about it. As crazy, far as as far as recent good. watches though, what what's some other stuff you've got to go through? Um, like I said, uh, Better Call Saul had a series finale back in August. I thought it was a very good series finale. Don't be expecting like an action-packed Breaking Bad finale, but I thought it was they did a really good job of wrapping the character up. Um, I went and saw the re-releases of Jaws and ET in the theaters. Jaws was a really cool experience. <laughs> And I'll just I'll just run through some of these uh, Beast with with Idris Elba. Elba. Oh yeah, Very, really good movie. I was kind of surprised by it. Just give um, us a, give us some star ratings if you could. Uh, Beast, I'll give an eight. Sonic the Hedgehog two, seven. Unbearable weight of massive talent. I'll give it a seven. That that movie surprised me honestly because I it wasn't it wasn't all about Nicolas Cage. It was there was actually a story to it. Yeah. Uh, memory with Liam Neeson. I'll give a six. Father Stu, man, damn good. Give it, given that a nine. The Lost yeah. City with Sandra Bullock. Give it a six. Um, and I've actually seen other than Halloween Ends. I've seen everything that we're talking about for no, for October. Signs, Nightmare on Elm Street three, The Bone Collector, and Halloween four. I'm doing my rewatch of the Halloween movies. Halloween 1978, 2018, and I need to watch Kills before we go see Ends. Are you and going then, to the theater for that, or are you going to check it out on Peacock? Uh, going to the theater. One of my nice. work friends wants to see it, so we're going with going with her. And uh, The Woman King with Viola Davis. Got to see that in the theater. How was that? Awesome, awesome movie. Very, very good. So did you check out Pearl? No, not yet. Uh, what about... <laughs> What about the Barbarian or Barbarian? I've heard that is like really, really good, but I have not went and seen it yet. I haven't seen Barbarian. I haven't seen Smile, which was number one at the box office. I heard was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, what was some of the other ones you did? I haven't seen Bodies and Bodies. Um, That's pretty much it as far as yeah. like, yeah. And theaters. Yeah. But yeah, um, if I had to recommend anything, go check out Woman King. Go check out um, Father Pearl. Uh, Father Pearl. Father Pearl. <laughs> Father Stew. 
Father Stew, which is on Netflix. Um, actually, it's like Gun a Maverick remake for a three Top Gun Maverick for a third time. Um, but yeah. Um, if I had a, if I had, I'll go through my recent watches. I don't have a lot. Like I said, I'm I'm still watching Dahmer. Um, I checked out Signs for the episode. I watched uh, See No Evil with Kane for a recent episode of Friday the Fourteenth. Um, Dahmer made me want to watch Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile with uh, mm-hmm. Zach Efron. Zach Efron, dude, it was a good movie. It was a really good movie. It wasn't as brutal and horrifying as Dahmer is, but it's it was creepy, eerie, and Zach Zach Efron gave a really good performance. Yeah. <clears throat> Hocus Pocus two. Checked it out. Yep. By uh, the way, I heard Craig's call out the last episode saying, "Oh, Zach's not going to watch Hocus Pocus 2. He's right. Yeah. I, well, really, I just ran out of time. So, uh, is it? Don't. It's not worth. It's not. It's not, it's worth, not it. worth. It's not worth it. An hour and forty-seven minutes. An hour and forty minutes too long. You know, I, oh. I wrote a little review on IMDb of like. Some things are just better off left in the nineties, mm-hmm. and this movie this movie just tries to hit nostalgia mm-hmm. at every point that it can. Right. Uh, the story is a mess. It felt rushed, and it really felt like a, a made for TV movie. Um, so for that, I I'd give it a five, and I don't think mm-hmm. I'm ever going to watch it again. I would worse, worse than not the really disagree. Uh, I, 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 it's I, yeah. not as good. No, yeah, definitely not it's as good. definitely not as good. Yeah. Um, I would say the first 15 minutes was pretty decent or well, maybe 10 minutes, I guess I, I did like the first opening bit. You know what I mean? <clears throat> but after the new introductions, after, uh, after I would say after, was okay. after, after the Walgreens scene, it's all downhill from there. Yes, that's yeah. true. I mean, yeah. there's some stuff in it. That's like <clears throat> breadcrumbs that are good. But it's breadcrumbs. I mean, yeah. it's just small little things that you know the they, headless. They could have, so, so for the, the head, for the fans that are just like super excited for it, are they going to be disappointed? They're going to be. I think they're going to be disappointed. If you're an original fan, I think you'd be disappointed. I don't know if highly disappointed, <clears throat> but mild, like medium disappointed, just because right. like how many stars did so, you give it, Ed? Six. Six. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to be like, dude, I've got to watch that again because, like, that just is not, you know, back-to-back kind of. What about, what about you, like Ed? Anything, uh, anything you uh, check out that you'd want to talk about? I mean, Dahmer, you know, already did. Uh, finished that earlier this week. Uh, Hocus Pocus 2, you know. Uh, Dahmer, I'd recommend for sure. House of Dragons watched the newest or the second-to-newest episode, and it's just – it, it dragged. It did. Um, yeah, I, I think it's the introduction <clears throat> of them. It's also season one. It's also season one. So season one is always going to be a lot slower than even, anything else. Even even the first season it, of Game of Thrones no. is slow. Yeah, it's not even that, man. It's just more the fact of like because the middle episodes they were great. You know, you know, I you mean, know what the wrong. you know what the problem is. Where you've seen the how many episodes? Have you seen four? Five. No, John, you seen four of them? Oh, my bad. Yeah, I've seen. Oh, I've seen three. Three. Okay, so like, I think the problem is, I think we got used to the young Rhaenyra. We got to, we got used to the young ones, but yeah. now with this time the jump, team. we're just like, okay, we have to kind of almost kind of like a reintroduction of who these characters 100%. are. 
100%. And to me, it's just like, I got used to those versions of the characters. I'm just like, I don't know. We were doing fine. Do we need, why do, why couldn't we well, just save this for season two? I don't know. Cause I feel like the older her is, eh, she's all right. I, I like, I like Olivia Cook as Allison. <clears throat> I think she's a good she fit for her. She seems good. Yeah. But um, everything else, I'm just like, I don't know. Him, he, he is. I like his character because he wants to go off and do things and he wants to, you know, do all this, but he's right. held back hard. Yeah. You know? And I, like, I get it on both accounts for that matter because, you know, just you're new to this. So you need right. to be, you know, but it, it's kind of more the fact of like, I, I don't Any, know, man. It, anything it's, else it's you'd want to recommend it or? Uh, not a hundred percent at the moment. I haven't really gone into full swing of, uh, watching things. I've been trying to pick up and practice. And then, um, I've been trying to just get things straight at home. So, yeah. Uh, guys, this episode episode is also brought to you by CDR electronics. CDR gives you the best value for your electronics. Uh, the located right here at 1604 West I-240 Service Road in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Movies, games, cell phones, iPhones, Apple products, tablets, and the latest technology. Watches, anything you need, physical media as well, TVs, anything, electronics. Go hit up CDR Electronics and let them know that the Cinnamon Movie Podcast sent you. And you can probably get an extra little 10% off your... Uh, your nice little girthy purchase right there just for mentioning that uh, we sent you. So um, don't forget. I don't know if anybody prepared for the truth. Zach prepared. Oh, I good. Prepare. Good. Cause I, 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 I was going to just read some random shit that I found, but um, <laughs> if you can't handle the truth, don't let Zach know. Cause he'll, he'll truth you. Um, hey. But, Zach, you have some truth uh, facts about science today. Yeah. So, uh, number one, the story the stories of the children's birth are actually the stories of M. Night Shyamalan's two children. Uh, number two, Graham Hess was originally written as an older character. Paul Newman and Clint Eastwood turned down the role, and Johnny Depp was attached to star in this movie at one point. Uh, number three, M. Night Shyamalan cites The Birds, Night of the Living Dead, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers as references for this film. And last but not least, Mel Gibson said that standing in front of the actual circles is awe-inspiring and, quote-unquote, it helps you get into character. Oh, nice. Those are some truth facts by Zach. Don't forget, guys, uh, this episode is also brought to you by OKC Soda <clears throat> Company. OKC Soda is the craft soda company of Oklahoma with super unique flavors like strawberry shortcake, blueberry acai, made with pure cane sugar and all-natural flavors. If you're here locally in Oklahoma City, don't forget you can find your six packs of OKC soda at Crest Foods, Pruitt Foods, and uh, also here at their uh, at their brewery um, right there on uh, 20th North MacArthur. So OKC Soda Company. You can also email them, OKCSodaCompany.com, and email them. Let them know that the Cinnamon Movie Podcast sent you uh, to get your hands on some exclusive merch. So OKC Soda, it's the only soda that we try to drink here at the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. Um, so yeah, 
Uh, but Zach, you were introducing a new segment. I have not told anybody about this segment. Yeah. Uh, I really don't even know much about it. Um, but sir, the floor is yours. So I kind of, I came up with this idea um, and we're going to start it with signs today. I was kind of had some free time at work probably because, you know, I need more work to do probably. <laughs> um, but I kind of, I went, I went through the year of 2002 and I just kind of was looking at, I was just curious to see what were like the top films that made the box office, like number one each week throughout the whole year of 2002. And I have a list here. We're going to go through them um, <clears throat> starting from this January all the way to December. What are you calling um, this? Uh, this it's going to be or... called our new segment is called box office rewind. We're going to go back in time. Just kind of see what was number one. So starting with January, um, for four consecutive weeks from mid-December, well, when it came out from mid-December to January the 13th, uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, became the first film since The Grinch to be number one for four consecutive weeks. And then we go down to February, well, late January, early February, for three weeks, Black Hawk Down was number one. Uh, then after that, Collateral Damage with Arnold Schwarzenegger was number one. And these are just the top 10 box office of the year, right? No, these are just like what was number one at the box office like that weekend. Oh, okay. okay cool. Yeah. Um, John Q, which we were going to talk about in January or July during our 20th anniversary special bonus episodes, was number one. Queen of the Damned, We Were Soldiers, which we did an episode back, a bonus episode back in July. The Time Machine. You remember that movie with Guy Pierce? Huh. <laughs> Um, Ice Age, Blade 2, Panic Room was number one for two weeks. Changing Lanes with uh, Ben Affleck and Samuel Jackson was number one. Uh, the Scorpion King, which we did an episode on last year, which is hard to believe, was two weeks. Spider-Man opened up the summer blockbuster season uh, early May, on May the, May the 3rd, I believe. May the 1st, 2nd. Attack of the Clones was there right after for two weeks. The Sum of All Fears, which was kind of a surprising movie uh, with Ben Affleck and uh, Morgan Freeman was num wait, number one for two weeks. Scooby-Doo, <laughs> the live action re uh, remake of Scooby-Doo was number one uh, in mid-June. Minority Report, Mr. Deeds, Men in Black 2 opened up July 4th weekend was two weeks number one. Road to Perdition, the Tom Hanks uh, movie with Daniel Craig was number one. Austin Powers and Cold Member. <laughs> was number one late July. And then the movie we're talking about today, <laughs> Signs, it opened up, it was number one, it's uh, opening weekend. And then Triple X with Vin Diesel took the spot for two weeks. Then Signs reclaimed the number one spot in its fourth weekend of release was and was number one two weeks in a row. Swim Fan, which I don't even know what that is, was number one in September for Labor Day weekend. Uh, Barbershop, Sweet Home Alabama, Red Dragon, the Hannibal Lecter prequel was number one for two weeks. The Ring, uh, this was just for you, Ed. Uh, Jackass the movie was number one for Halloween weekend. Sure. Uh, Santa Claus, Eight Mile, and then Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets and Die Another Day kind of switched back and forth for the next four weeks. Made in Manhattan was number one, and then we end the year of 2002 with uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, for the last two weeks of the year. Which we're talking about in a few weeks. Yep, in December. 
So and that is the box office rewind for the year of 2002. Um, interesting facts, more box office talk. Uh, Zach, you missed Craig's reaction last week when he found out that uh, Avatar made uh, like $10 million last week for the re-release. He was not happy, but it was funny. If you guys want to go back and see and watch his reaction, I, I highly recommend it. It was real funny to watch. But now it is time for our most sacred segment, the top five. guys today we are talking our top five mel gibson movies um with signs being one of if not maybe a lot of people's top mel gibson movie of all time um but it's gonna be fun to see what everybody else uh thinks about mel gibson he's gotten some bad rap because of some online videos that leaked and some stuff that he might may not have said um at the end of the day he's still a, a very talented director and a very talented actor and he's putting those directing shoes back on for, let's hope sake, Lethal Weapon 5. Um, anybody have any honorable mentions? Top five Mel Gibson movies? Negative. I'm going to go through mine right quick. I just have two. Uh, the Mad Max trilogy, Beyond Thunderdome, and then uh, what we're talking about today, Science. Um, I have Lethal Weapon 2, Apocalypto, Pocahontas, Father Stew, and my official honorable mention, uh, The Passion of the Christ. Hmm. A film that I'm sure maybe I'll show up on one of the top five. I understand that's probably what he's probably most famous for, but it's a I'm film not, that I, I'm only talking about movies he starred in. So I don't have okay. any of the movies. I don't have any of the movies he directed. He directed. Okay. Yeah. Um, just a film that obviously is very powerful, but you never. I, I'll never probably ever watch it again. So I've never finished it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number five for me is going to be from 2016, uh, and that's Bloodfather. Um, Diego Luna and Mel Gibson. I think this is a very, very underrated. Willem H Macy is also in it. This is a very underrated crime drama movie, and I think it's just a tremendous, uh, just action flick. And I think Mel Gibson going back to basics and doing some movies like this. Let's face it, he could have been like Bruce Willis and he'll go out and do any and everything, but I'm very proud of what he selects and what he doesn't select. Um, yeah, he'll have some misses sometimes, but he has a lot of hits that are underground kind of movies that not a lot of people know. And uh, that's kind of what almost my whole list is like uh, gathered up to be. But number five for me is going to be Bloodfather. So, Zach, what about you? What's number five for you? Uh, number five for me is going to be uh, 2010's uh, Edge of Darkness. Uh, this is probably his quote-unquote comeback film after he kind of did his rants and everything. Um, homicide detective Thomas Craven investigates the murder of his activist daughter. He uncovers a corporate cover-up and government conspiracy that attracts an agent tasked with cleaning up the evidence. Um, you know, for this to be kind of like a personal drama it's very action-packed and it's actually very thrilling to be honest i think he gives a very good performance 
Uh, Ray Winston's in it. Uh, Danny Houston plays the villain, which I think he's one of the worst, worst villains that you could possibly hire. Um, and you know, I, like I said, the action in it is actually top notch. And by the end of the film, you're, you know, hoping all the bad guys go down. So number five is edge of darkness. Edward, number five for you. Number five, I'm going to go ahead and put chicken run in this. I, man, I don't know. He, 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 chicken run, I think is kind of an overlooked movie in a lot of ways because it's claymation and all that good junk, but it, it's, it's funny as hell, man. Honestly, if you've never seen it, I do highly recommend at least checking it out. It's hilarious. It's weird he's in that. I don't know why. It's just like when you hear his voice, it's just like, oh, that's Mel, that's Mel Gibson that's in a kid's Gibson? film. Yeah. Like, hold up. <laughs> number four for me should probably be higher, but number four is going to be Braveheart. Um, I think probably just the rewatchability of a three-hour solid you know, not fully action-packed film maybe for me, but number four is going to be Braveheart. I think it's just a little too girthy. I don't understand why that movie has to be three hours. Um, it's a tremendous movie, don't get me wrong, and I and I think we're, I, I, you know, we have gotten a lot of emails about trying to review that soon, especially with us doing Gladiator, I think, last year. Um, if I don't know why those movies get, you know, compared a lot, but they do. Um but number four for me is going to be Braveheart from 1995. Best picture winner, Braveheart. He got drawn and quartered, bro. William Wallace deserves respect. Number uh, number four for you, Zach. Uh, number four for me is a film we talked about last in, in the summer. We Were Soldiers. Um, Johnny, that was your first time watch, um, I believe, if, if I remember correctly. Yes, very powerful war film that I think deserves the, I, I say that's his probably underrated film. Uh, it's a lot of people, don't, you don't hear anyone talk about it anymore. It it's, it's up there with, you know, the, the, the way the, the Vietnam war is depicted in this, it's up there with same private Ryan and world war II's depiction, to be honest. You, you, you watch your mouth. Uh, you know, it's true. Don't lie. You guys want to go back and listen to me, me and Zach talk about that. I, I, I do recommend it. It was a fun episode. So, uh, number four, uh, we were soldiers. Edward, number four for you. Numero cuatro, uh, Mad Max beyond Thunderdome, man. Uh, that one, I know it's very, very long, but it grabs me. It, it truly does. So it is, it is very girthy. You know what word we use here? Don't what? Why are you a rookie? Watch your mouth, rookie. Yeah, so that was number one draft pick. <laughs> uh, num number three for me, Zach. You say underrated for Mel Gibson. I say poppycock. I say if you go underrated, Mel Gibson, you have to watch Dragged Across Concrete from 2018. Mm -hmm. Um. It's only on three HBO. people. Only three people know what that is. Yeah, it's on. It, it's on HBO Max, but it has Michael J. White, Vince Vaughn, Mel Gibson, um, and it's from the same director who directed Bone Tomahawk and Brawl in Cell Block Ninety Nine. Um, Dragged Across Concrete is a. It's 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 a little girthy. It's two hours and forty minutes. It does feel like it drags at some point, but Mel Gibson. I never thought I would say this in the same sentence. Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn have chemistry. And it's a very, very brutal, entertaining film. I would not watch it around any kids. 
it it just takes you back. It makes you feel like you're watching an old school '90s crime action movie. Um, and for that reason, it's jumped all the way up to number three on my list. So number three for me is Dragged Across Concrete, Mel Gibson, Vince Vaughn, um, from 2018. It's on HBO Max. Edward, number three for you. Number three for me, I'm going to go ahead and go with Expendables 3. Uh, with this one, man, I think he played a fantastic villain. I, I, I don't know. He just had that raw energy of like, yeah, I don't care. It is what it is. And I know it's a movie. I know it's scripts and write and all that. But you, you've got those villains that can help elevate your heroes for that matter. And I, I think Mel Gibson taking on the entire Expendables squad was just beautiful. Beautifully done. So, yeah. Uh, Expendables 3, man. Yeah. Zach, number three for you. Uh, number three is his uh, one of his other directorial day uh, directorial films, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. We talked about it a couple years ago for our Memorial Day War episode. Um, very very good. I think it's it's up there. Like I said, with Saving Private Ryan, one of the one of the other great war films, especially with World War II. I personally think think uh, Andrew Garfield deserved the Oscar for that. I I think he was phenomenal in it. Um, and Mel Gibson doesn't shy away from the bloody violence um, and just wanting to show what the realistic nature of war is. So, who, who ended up winning that year? Casey Affleck for uh, Manchester by the Sea. He did depress the hell out of me in that movie. Yeah. Uh, number two is going to be Ransom from 1996. This is one of the first movies I've seen Mel Gibson in. Mel Gibson, Gary Sinise, Rene Russo. Directed by Ron Howard. Uh, this movie is nail-biting. And it keeps you on the edge of your seat. About a multi-million dollar son. Uh, Tom. Who Mel Gibson plays. His son is kidnapped. And uh, honestly they flirt the entire film. That they're going to kill his kid. And then the swerve at the end of the movie. From director Ron Howard. Tremendous. Tremendous movie. Um, I, every time I talk about this movie on the episode. It makes me want to talk about it. Like in a full length episode. So. Lieutenant Ransom. Dan is in it. Lieutenant Dan is for sure in it. Number two for me, Ransom. Zach, number two for you? Uh, number two, that was your first time seeing Mel Gibson. I think first time I saw Mel Gibson was The Patriot from 2000. Uh, him, Heath Ledger. I always, <laughs> I always forget Heath Ledger's even in that. It's kind of hysterical, but really good. Um, you know, everyone says that there's the film that defines the war, whether it be World War II, Vietnam, whatever. I think this is like the definitive revolutionary war movie. We don't get very many of them. And I think this is one that really um, depicts not only the war side, but also the struggles of what that, what that time period was like. Awesome action. It's directed by Roland Emmerich who did 2012, the day after tomorrow. Um, yeah, just a really, really fun movie. And it's, 22 years old now so it's kind of crazy to believe edward number two for you uh number two for me i'm gonna go ahead and go with braveheart uh man you gotta respect william wallace man he he, he wasn't about that uh you weren't gonna do that to him you weren't gonna just try and take his woman on that day so you know i'm gonna be honest i don't think i've seen braveheart all the way through i'm gonna be honest it's that's fair i mean it's it's a very long movie. <laughs> so it's that's three fair. hours, basically. So that's fair. 
Number one for me, I couldn't decide between one, two, three, or four. So number one for me is the entire Lethal Weapon franchise. Uh, you know, to me, when I think of Mel Gibson, I do think of Lethal Weapon. The uh, the the uh, just the relationship and the chemistry that he has with Danny Glover throughout the entire franchise. Throw Joe Pesci in there. They're all fun movies. They're all comedical, action-packed. They just fly by. And to me, all those movies are nines and tens. Maybe I'm a little biased, but I just love the hell out of Lethal Weapon movies. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I'm going to say the entire franchise is number one for me. Zach, what about you? Fair, fair, fair. Uh, number one is the movie we're talking about today, Signs. So we'll get in into it here in a little bit. Nice. Edward, number one for you. Finish us off. Subject matter, breaking my own rule, man. So... Yeah, signs, number one. We'll see. Nice. Um, and if you guys want to know what drives us and what talks, what, what makes us think of these top five lists, then go check our friends out over at Red and Blue's Pizza, 4500 South May Avenue. Give them a call, 405-602-2838, 4500 South May Avenue, right here in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Monday through Sunday, they're open. Uh, great pizza, friendly customer service. You will not be disappointed. And if pizza is not your thing, they got wings, they got salads, burgers, uh, calzones, they got cinnamon sticks. So check them out and let them know that the Cinnamon Movie Podcast sent you uh, to get a little extra dough off of your pizza. <laughs> so, but guys, it's time to get into what we're talking about today. Today, episode 213, we are talking about signs. Um, before we get dig into it, though, uh, the director, M. Night Shyamalan, uh, you know, we usually talk director talk. Um, guys, do you have a favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie? Um, and would it be Signs? Yeah, uh, I think Signs is my favorite of his. Uh, Split comes in right, right after that, to be honest, in second place. What about you guys? I would, I would say probably Signs, The Village, and then Split. In my eyes, one, two, and three. What about um, you, if, I, if, I, if I had to pick just one right off the top of my head, I've never seen Lady in the Water, which gets a lot of praise. I would have to say it's between uh, Six Sense, Unbreakable, or Split. There you Fair. Uh, he gets a lot of flack. We're going to dig into it and talk about him a little bit later on today, too. Um, but what we're talking about is Signs. IMDb currently has it at 6.8. Rotten Tomatoes is at 75%. The Metascore is at 59%, while Edward and the Google users have it at 82%. With a release date of July 29th, 2002, the budget was $72 million. Currently, it has grossed a little over $408 million at the box office. A widowed former reverend living with his children and brother on a Pennsylvania farm finds mysterious crop circles in their fields, which suggests something more frightening to come in that spoiler-free Snapsis, um, starring Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix, Rory Culkin, Abigail Breslin, Cherry Jones, M. Night Shyamalan, written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, Zach, we're going to start with you. Um, the first time you've seen this movie, do you mm -hmm. remember the first time viewing? What was it like? And did it change any for this recent watch for the episode? Uh, yeah, uh, first time, probably no surprise to anyone. I got to see this in the theater. Scared the living hell out of me. I couldn't walk by crops. <laughs> crop, 
crop fields for a long, the longest time. Um, <clears throat> I actually remember uh, my mom buying me the VHS. I remember those VHSs. Um, I had to actually stay stay out in the hallway to watch the movie because I was so scared of it. Actually, um, yeah, it, it's truly you know we'll get into it, but it, it this is one of one of my favorite films of all time. Um, has a very special place in heart, my heart for the for this film. Um, yeah, and it doesn't this film. It doesn't get old. And honestly, every time I watch it, I find something new about it. So, uh, Edward, do you remember the first time that you watched this? And if so, you know, what was it like when you watched it? And then how was it revisiting it for the episode? Uh, yeah, I've got to agree. Like, not necessarily like that. I didn't get to see it in theaters, but I did get to see it uh, on DVD, I think. Divid. Uh, yeah, Divid. Um, either way, I uh, seen it on DVD and basically... Because I think I think my dad picked it up because he was like, "Hey, Mel Gibson, dude from uh, Lethal Weapon, he's in some signs alien movie or something. You like aliens? Here you go." And I'm like, <laughs> "All right." And man, the two we'll get into it, but there's two scenes that will never leave my mind ever, and I think you all know one for sure, maybe the other. It's but, the uh, scene where Rory, Rory Culkin uses this uh, the swimsuit tape, right? You're like, "Oh, that swimsuit. I wonder what's on that swimsuit tape." Yeah, sure. Uh, sure. But, uh, no, nah, this movie is one of those that is just under the blanket scared, man. Uh, you know, it's one of those that you have to run out of the room, a dark room because something's right behind you kind of thing, man. That That's all I can explain it like. That's it. I first watched this movie literally maybe about five maybe four years ago three years ago when we started this podcast you guys remember i kind of shit on it honestly um i, I didn't wonder i kind of wondered why everybody was so in love with this movie um you know and i had my big arguments we argued about it a little bit i think you know why would aliens pick an entire planet almost covered in water to come and you know come and try to uh capture or take over a, a planet that they're you know they're spoiler alert it's a 20 year old movie i haven't seen it Go check it out. Um, I'm like, you know, why would they spend their entire time coming and checking out a planet that's covered in water if water hurts them? Uh, and then some other stuff. I just nitpicked it. But, you know, watching it the second time around and listening and being able to really concentrate on the dialogue between Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. The dialogue alone made me made me not fearful of this of what could lie if this were to happen but it made me second guess and discover and concentrate on what me i'm personally going through now Mm. about mel gibson talking about faith and what he's talking about his relationship with his family and who's in front of him now and his brother merle and it, it made me realize the, the the writing that M. Night Shyamalan did for this movie, I don't think he's written a script like this since. Yeah. And he, even though even though this movie was in my honorable mentions, and even though I didn't say it was one of my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movies, script-wise, I would say that this is probably 
the best dialogue that that director has ever written his entire life. Yeah, that, yeah, I I would I would second that. Yeah, and, and it's and it's solely based on what Mel Gibson went through in this movie. Mm-hmm. Going from a reverend, <clears throat> and let's circle back. We're going to talk about the movie, but you know, I don't know if you Zach, you've you've been gone for a while, but I don't know if you've listened to any any some of the other stuff. But you know, we're kind of all over the place now. We talk about what we want. We don't we don't start from the beginning, and go all the way to the end. Um, but the dialogue that Mel Gibson uses in this movie, how he's a reverend, okay, the death of his wife caused by M. Night Shyamalan's character in the movie, mm-hmm. he he goes and talks to her, and it kind of made me it kind of made me question the end, okay, not not in a bad way, but it kind of made me question, you know, a reverend doesn't believe in aliens. At least we think they don't. They're, they're told not to, okay? He doesn't believe in aliens. The tragedy with his wife happens. The tragedy with what he went through with those kids, his brother, and the aliens happens. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, though. But at the end of the movie, he's back to being a father. He's back to being a reverend. Right. I wanted to ask you guys, because, you know, in, in the book... He even states it in the film. You're, you're told, you know, there's only one greater power. You know, mm-hmm. you, could, you could even pull up Scientology. You know, Scientology. They believed in the aliens. They believed in stuff like that. What, what made you think? What would you guys have to say? Why make Mill Gibson a reverend again at the end of the movie? I would say, okay, so. And I know, here we go. Um, It's not that they're aliens. It's that they're demons. And he basically faced his demons. Okay. The entire movie, I feel, and I've, I've heard this and I kind of have thought about it and going over it and over it and over it. And this is about him facing his demons. You know, because dude's lost in the beginning. And I mean, he really is, you know, aliens all of a sudden come out of nowhere and decide, you know, whether it's for natural resources, whether it's for us as cattle, basically, whether to eat, to make work, or so, whatever. So your, your, your you simple know. simple answer to that is they're not aliens, they're demons. I, I've heard that theory. No, 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 no. I, I don't, don't want to know their theory. The whole reason, no. he, the whole reason he became a father at, again at the end of the movie, and you, well, why? That's why I'm asking. Like, why do you think he became a father all the way again at the end of the movie? So, okay, I feel like if he, I feel he said to himself, kind of thought to himself, or at least this is what M Night Shyamalan was trying to convey: if he could face aliens and win. Why couldn't he go ahead and face the death of his significant other, his wife, his spouse, and win from that, you know, and kind of get put back into himself and his old life in a way? I like that. I like that answer. Zach. Yeah. What what about you? You know, uh, I know we're jumping all over the place already, but this this question has just been burning on my mind. Like, 
That's the only if I if I could not understand something, that's the only thing I don't really understand is why M. Night would make him a reverend again after putting a reverend through the battle with aliens after being told and taught going through that you're not supposed to believe in aliens. Well, I think I think there's a little bit more to it than that. I, I don't I don't I'm gonna disagree with you on Ed on that aspect of it. I don't I don't think it's really demons that he's like going like fighting again. I, I think I, I agree that there are things that have held him back. I think the death of his wife really made him question his faith as a preacher, as a as a follower of God. But you know, when we when we begin this movie, I, you're right, Ed. He's kind of this broken shell of a man. He's kind of quote unquote there for his kids. I think more of like Joaquin's Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix's character. Um, Meryl is kind of there, kind of taking care of the kids. But I think what really, I think the reason why he really become, becomes a, a preacher or a father at the, end of this, at the end of this film again is really the fact that he was really afraid to lose someone else that he loved, which, you know, by the time we get to the basement sequence, the kid gets attacked by one of the aliens. We think that he, he's he's going to have an asthma attack and kill him. But then something I, I honest to God, the, when I watch this movie again, I finally understand the reference of when he said, this is why he has asthma. Cause when you're at, when you have asthma, your lungs close up and he won't, he can't breathe. They and so can, when he, yeah. when he inhales, when you think he's inhaled the poisonous gas, you know, you think he's dead by the end of the film, by the end of it. But I think that's why, Mel Gibson has faith again is that even something as minute and something as asthma as terrible as asthma can be, it saved this kid's life at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think I, that's how his, his faith comes back. He's able to say, if I can this whole situation with these aliens, you know, whether think of it what you want, I think he in that moment says. I can, I can bring, I, I can, I have faith now. I can bring, I can be a pasture. So I'm going to go ahead and like kind of counter a, a, a bit. I did demons as a double entendre. His own demons in his head, in his past. Right. As well as think about it like this. Okay. Now we're like, okay, aliens are, you know, more than likely a possibility. You know what I mean? There, there's a large percent of people that are like, aliens are probably real. Yeah. Think about this, and I know we're not. I know we're in the early 2000s. I understand. But think about if this was in like 1500. Yeah. This is a demon from the sky coming down, essentially. Like hell is coming down to kill us all, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So they, I, they, they made that movie. It's called, it's called Prey. They did that. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm meaning it as a double entendre for that matter, double meaning. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, I get it. There's like actually physical monsters, but he himself is dealing with his man. own personal demons. Yeah. No, what do you guys I, think I of uh, what do you guys think honestly of the character Murrow played by Joaquin Phoenix? I think, you know, I think he nails it this time around. Rewatching it, I really enjoyed the two brothers together and the dialogue that they shared throughout the movie. Um, Mel Gibson talking to him about, um, you know, uh, what do you believe in the faith? Yeah. And coincidence. Do you believe in a coincidence or not? 
Uh, what do you guys think of that late night conversation that they had about, you know, uh, group one versus group two, uh, the con conversation of uh, on our, you know, the, about them being on their own? I absolutely love that scene. You know, it's just two characters doing dialogue between each other. But it's just like you said, Johnny, it's so damn well done. Like when you kind of start to start thinking about the whole premise of in a situation like this, whether it, it doesn't even have to be aliens, whether it have to be like a cancer fight or a divorce or whatever you want to call it. Someone that has, you know, believes that someone's up there looking after them or oh, this is just coincidence, you know, just happy, happy go chance. I what think you, it's just I think it's gonna... brilliant. What do you what do you guys believe? I'm gonna let you pick one or the other. Um, Ed, do you believe in coincidence, or do you think every single thing that happens happens for a reason? Honestly, man, it's fifty fifty in my eyes. I believe in coincidences just happening, you know. But at the same time, I do believe that there are certain things that are set in stone, you know, because I, I believe we're all born with innate abilities or innate talents for that matter i guess some are musicians some are you know the behind the scenes guy some are the tech guys some are the just personality some yeah you know, just on and on and on you can go forever you know i mean just some people are born to play that you know born yeah. to do zach, that born to be that zachary do what do you what do you think <sighs> me personally I, after watching this movie i would have to say i truly believe that I think everything happens for a reason. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think there's such... I mean, yeah, there's probably such thing as like gut feelings or maybe a coincidence-like feeling like deja vu. But yeah. I really do think everything we've had to go through and endure all the way up to this point right now, me talking to you guys, I think everything happens and has to happen for a reason. Because, I mean, yeah. okay, think about it like this. What do you think, Zach? Go ahead. I, I think... Just based off my life, just what I've been through in my personal life, there are things that <clears throat> there are things that just coincidence cannot be explained. You can't, whether you be in this moment of your life or whatever, there are there there are certain circumstances that, whether you believe in a higher power or faith or whatever whatever have you, there are certain aspects that. Whether whether you said Johnny, it's already pre-written that this is going to happen, or someone's there just to watch after you, watch after you as you're going through these circumstances. You know, there's just something. There are some things in life that basic gut feelings or deja vu. It just it can't be explained. You know, and that's the thing right there. You know, it, it's kind of a thing like you know when I started working with you at the Warren, yeah. Like, you know, why, why did that happen? You know what I mean? When, you know, Juan and I, you know, went to uh, some of the same schools when, you know, uh, that didn't need to happen or it, it, it could have gone the totally different way, yeah. you know, and forgive this, but my mom passing away from cancer 23 years ago, right? I feel like has, I, I don't know what type of life I would have had then, you know, but <clears throat> I never will know that person doesn't exist anymore. Maybe they do in an alternate timeline. Multiverse. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't know. Right. Don't really uh, need yeah. to know. I'm, I'm this one right now. Yeah. 
But, you know, it, it's kind of like, because don't get me wrong, if she hadn't and I grew up in her care, maybe I would never have met you. Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't be friends with Juan like I am, for that matter. Yeah. Maybe I never would have met Craig. You know, stuff like that. So I'm just like, all this different little little pieces of things, whether tragedies like that example, yeah, or whether, you know, small little things like, oh, well, you know, I choked on, I don't know, I choked on that piece of food, but it in turn helped me, you know, do this or whatever or you know such as asthma as i have and have had forever you know locking mm -hmm. off the lungs to go ahead and not breathe in poison compared to that's a good side of it i guess yeah compared to the other side of that to where the asthma itself no poison could have killed him right you know i mean there, there's the differences i've had asthma attacks i know how that feels and that sucks it's embarrassing. It sucks because your body's kicking your own ass. You know, it's different stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, you've gone through several different tragic uh, things yourself. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, there's a ton of stuff like that. You know, you know so yeah, like, like I've said, you know, I've, I'm a cancer survivor. I've had a liver transplant. You know, I, <laughs> there are circum those circumstances alone, people always ask me, like, um it's hard it's it's hard not to believe in a higher power or god or whatever you want to call it when you survive all that you know i don't think it's just coincidence i don't think it was just right you were at the you had it at that exact moment where science was doing good or treatments or whatever i think you know there's no way that i did all that by myself you know it's just it, it's just one of those like going back on looking at the conversation between Mel Gibson and walking Phoenix of, you know, I think there was someone up there that, you know, cared for me. You Look, know? man, you need to be on the podcast. So chill out. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, so, you know, but all seriousness, like, like I said, just a bit ago, I believe 50 and 50 because I don't believe coincidences can be there without, you know, or necessarily with set in stones, but I don't feel like, they can be there. It's, it's, I don't know. It, it's a very strange thing, but I, yeah. Why, why do you say, um, the other, the, the faith reason, Johnny? Why do I? Yeah. Uh, not necessarily faith, but I, 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 you know, like, like you guys, like you said, Zach, whether it be a higher power or somebody putting this whole thing together, um, you know, lately I've, I've had to question a lot of stuff, um, whether it be uh, personal matters, work matters, religious matters, spiritual mm -hmm. matters. Um, I just feel like, man, this movie's getting deep. I just okay. feel like, I feel like this and certain things can't just happen on coincidence. I, I You know, and I think whether it be good, whether it be bad, whether it be just perfect right now i just really really do think that certain things are put into your life to either a grab the ball and run or b you're gonna fumble and it's your decision to fuck up yeah and well you know i don't, I don't think coincidences like that happen because we all have a choice at the end of the day 
we all have, you know, a decision at the end of the day. Coincidence, coincidences don't make that, you know, right. something, something puts those decisions and those, those situations in your hands and it's up to you to make those decisions. Um, you know, whether it be a bad decision because I've decided to, uh, use certain, um, opportunities and situations and, uh, whatever you want to call this as far as a podcast, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm in the wrong, you know, maybe, maybe I've chosen certain things that I shouldn't have chosen before, but you know, that happened for a reason. I mean, I could, I could get into a whole fucking Pentecostal decision group conversation about shit like this. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to go down that road, but I, I don't know. You know, this movie has really made me feel like, you know, I don't think things can happen coincidence. I think, Ed, I agree with you. I do think that, uh, you know, it may feel like a coincidence and things happen for certain amounts of time. Um, maybe right time, right place, deja vu kind of feeling like that. But, you know, um, yeah, that's that's something that I would have to say is is my guess. Um, and, you know, science hits on all different kinds of uh, points right now. Um, if you guys have not seen signs, I just highly recommend going and watching it just, and it, you know, it's an hour and 40 minutes and it flies the fuck by. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's not, you know, we're, we're, it's October tour season. You would think of, you know, this isn't really a horror movie, but it's a suspenseful sci-fi that has horror like elements. We're yeah. going to be talking about something that has horror like elements in a few weeks with the bone collector. Um, that's the one good thing I like about doing this podcast is our horror season isn't just kind of like, you know, blood and guts, blood and guts. Yeah. We, we do a lot of like horror suspense kind of stuff. Like a few years ago when we talked about, uh, seven, yeah. I still go back to that, that episode. That was a fun, fun conversation. I think this is a fun conversation too. Um, but I just like the way that M night Shyamalan messes with your mind and we can talk about the director, guys. He gets a lot of flack. You know, I don't know if you guys have seen his new trailer for his new Batista movie. Yeah. Um, knock, knock or something. Door. Like, knock on the yeah. door. Mm-hmm. Um, but M. Night has been known to start throwing you a lot of curveballs, something you don't see coming at the end of his movies. Right. This movie, this movie didn't have that. <clears throat> you know, a lot of a lot of what happens at the end of the movie is spread out in. Um, it's just spread out throughout the movie. The the glasses of water, yeah. Uh, the book, the aluminum hats, uh, the the conversation between M Knight and Mel Gibson uh, when they're at the car. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything in this movie towards the end is just sprinkled throughout the whole thing, um, yeah. and I like that because even 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 though your mind is still guessing, you're still kind of like at all at the end of the movie because the way he shoots his alien scenes. Let's yeah. talk about that. When when you think of an alien movie, sometimes you're like, "Oh, Mars Attack." They show aliens every other fucking scene. Yeah. Super Eight. They do the more old school stuff where they show you about eight minutes into you know eight minutes worth of alien shot in the whole movie. E.T. shown throughout the entire movie. Jaws, not an alien, but they hold the shark for certain scenes and it works. I yeah. think M. Night does that for this movie and he does that for his aliens. Um his aliens are held for certain scenes shot throughout the movie and it completely works in this movie. 
Um, I wanted to bring this up to you guys because I didn't. This is if I had one pet peeve this time around, one nitpick, it was this. My my only nitpick this third time around watching this movie is that the aliens looked kind of terrible for CGI aliens. I I do kind of wish he used practical effects ninety percent of the time for the aliens. What do you guys think about that? At the time, there. So I think more than anything, the aliens are okay. Because I'm going to go ahead and say those two scenes that have always stuck with me that I think those aliens are on fucking point. Um, one, they they, the, they oh go okay. Oh, I was going to agree. They are on point with the way they look. I'm just disappointed that you know well, they, he used CGI for most of his alien shots. Oh, because I will say I, I I do see how you how how or I feel like I understand the thing that you're wanting to say is that like some of the shots don't just blend well, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, not, and not saying that at all. Well, I'm saying okay, so I feel uh, he's disappointed. He's disappointed by it's all CGI instead of actual actual practical effects. The only right. practical effect I think that the alien is when he's in the crop in the crops at nighttime and the foot goes back into the into the field. Or, or, or when the hand gets cut the finger your fingers get cut off. Yeah. So I it, it I mean I, after seeing this movie I've, this is like my twentieth time seeing this movie. I mean, you know, ultimately you can probably guess what grade I'm gonna give this. It doesn't. I mean, in the, you're gonna give it. A, give it a wandgasm. Well, I was gonna give it a zero point five, but whatever. Um, but I think you have to remember this is just a product of the time. You know, the CGI was still, quote unquote, in its infancy at that time. You know, gr- granted, we have gotten better things. Um, but to me, I mean, the, it still works. You know, the visuals still work. The practical effects that that are in the film still work. And I and I appreciate um, Shyamalan's use of the Spielberg um, trope of not showing the monster right away. Just let it build and build and build until finally you get the night sequence in the in the crops or the the birthday party scene where you yeah. know the alien walks across the walks across the screen or whatever. You know, no, I think those, those are all good <clears throat> shots. I just wish for the few times you did get to see the alien, you know, he, he, cause I don't know if you guys have seen the X-Files, the movie, they, they had some, some walking aliens and they were practical effects. They were deep looking, creepy motherfuckers. And I just, I just wanted some of that realism of a practical effect looking alien. That's yeah. all. It, all didn't right. ruin the, it, it didn't ruin the movie for me this time. Like I said, that was just a small nitpick. Um, but Ed, you said the the scene where the alien walks at the birthday party. That's, That's one of them, yeah. What's the uh, other one that got you? Alien on top of the house at night, where she yeah. comes oh, in. Yeah. Dad, can I have a, dr- a glass of water? I'm thirsty. And by the way, there's a there's a a man, a, mon- a monster, a monster. Okay, I was like, yeah. can't remember what. But there's a monster outside of my bedroom window, and he, he the one thing. That you can't take away from this. Script is great. Wonderful. I, I will agree. One of the best scripts that I, that honestly in that year could have been written 
one of the best scripts for that genre easily. But the one thing that you can't argue is the delivery from Joaquin Phoenix and Mel Gibson. Those two swing away, Mel, swing away. Because, I mean, dude, when when he's like, you can see him turn to like, why are you up to water again? Oh, my God, to excuse me? You know, kind of thing. Like, if, if your kid or Craig's kid was just like, there's someone outside my window. Y'all be like, uh, there's what? Where? Uh, no, I, I would you be know, like, go to thing. bed. You're just trying to stay up an extra 15 minutes. Go to sleep. Ain't nobody outside you your know, fucking window. This dude goes. And when I was a kid, I shit you not. When I was younger and I first saw this movie, I like, don't get me wrong. I've got goosebumps right now. But that scene made me want to turn that movie off. That's the diabetes kicking in. Ed. It was just like, uh, no. And I mean, you know, because when you're a kid, if you're in a room, you're afraid of the dark. Shadows play a plague on your mind. And your mind is going to mess with you so much it's not funny. And that's that was another card of the, of the trick right there. As well as the birthday party was a, a flash of the whole, I think that was the first flash of the entirety of the body of the alien yeah. face, head, the full body, like full all. body, full body shot. Yeah, the, and, the scene, the scene that kind of got me this time around was when everything they thought everything was over, and they're bringing the TV out into the front yeah. room, and you see yeah. the, the you see the alien in the back, you know, in the back the shot of the reflection of the screen. That was like okay, that was pretty cool. The scene that yeah, always like, gets me. The, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Ed. I was just going to say with Joaquin Phoenix's part of that, you know, cause he's like watching, you know, he's in the closet, just watching TV. He's like, I didn't want the kids to, you know, see everything. So I, I figured in here, he's like, Oh, okay, cool. And, Oh, we're going to take you to Brazil to, you know, this film and try to the birthday party. And it's like, okay. And he's what like, you're oh, about to see oh, may you disturb know. you. <laughs> right. You know, and it's just like, you know, and I mean, like I said, goosebumps again, man, like, there, there, but, there's so, yeah. there's so much of this movie that I want to talk about. I know we don't have like 15 hours to devote to this, yeah. but for if we're gonna talk about our favorite scare scene, the one that um, it's still to this day just gets me. It's almost it, it's like the the whole. It's almost by this point, it's almost a home invasion film. Almost if you want to think about it like that, because when the aliens are trying to get in the house and Mel Gibson's talking to his son about being born, and they say we got to go, and it shoot and it. Uh, cuts to the front door and the nails start coming in, underneath the under the door. That just it creeps me out every single time. It's just like at that point, like it, it feels like there's nowhere safe. Speaking of putting ourselves in those scenes again, I want to talk to you guys about this this one particular scene when Mel Gibson was asking, "What would you have?" and they were all naming off what foods they would have. Yeah, almost, almost of a, a reverend like Mel Gibson talking about a Last Supper. Yeah. Um, first off, tremendous scene, tremendous scene where he's saying, you know, asking everybody what they would have, and then he tells what he would have, and then the actual dinner table scene itself was spectacular. Uh, extra bacon. last last fifteen hours on Earth, Ed. What would be your Last Supper? You can't say Burger King either. Um, I'd probably have chili 
And I mean like a good, good chili with my dad's cornbread and I don't know, just a can of Surge and then, I don't know, my aunt's hot fudge cake. Mm. Zach? Um, am I allowed to go out and get something or just homemade? Yeah, fuck it, go ahead. You can go out and get it. <laughs> no, no, um, no, he said no. <laughs> just no kidding. Burger King, though. No. I'm kidding. Um, probably a last minute Chick-fil-A run with some homemade banana pudding. Oh. That'd be good. I would have some red and blue. No, I'm just Stop. kidding. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> no, that would have no. been an awesome transition. <laughs> um. Being being said, that's funny. Uh, you know, honestly, I would uh, I would I would have um, have my uh, sister and brother in law go spend some of their money on some expensive ribeyes, and have them smoke some ribeyes, and then have them make some breakfast food. So I do breakfast food, ribeye, um, and then uh, a shit ton of tequila. Oh, so basically, you so, give yourself a heart attack before the end of the world. Hey. Exactly. So um, go. One question for y'all. The water. Do you think it was a hydrophobic thing that the water was an acid or something like that to them? Or do you think it was the chemicals in the water? That is the reason why she kept saying it tastes funny because like whether it be fluoride or some type of harsh chemical or toxic chemical even in that, do y'all think that was what actually hit? Because maybe the aliens aren't, you know, they're accustomed to water. She, not, she, you know, she was the only one. She was the only one who said the water tasted funny, though. But some people have even, a more acute palate. Even even others. I mean, even Rory drank it and said it's fine. Everybody else drank it and said it was fine. Now the dog didn't end up sick, so maybe maybe the water made the dog sick. You know, but I'm but... saying like some people have more acute palates than others. Like you might taste something that's a hundred percent different than I taste, and vice versa. But I mean. I don't know. Right. Since we're used to this world, since we're used to, you know, and I mean, don't get me wrong, we're not all used to it. Several, uh, a big percentage has allergies, whether it's to pollen, food, touching, you know, different soaps or fabrics or something like that. I mean, I think, there's all I think types the, I think of the aliens. I think the aliens were just, you know, not fond of water, and they knew that it could hurt them. Even with M Night Shyamalan's character saying, "I'm going out to a lake." Uh, with all the new sightings of them being in the center of an island or in the center of a countryside, like they were, they were staying away from water for a reason. Yeah. So uh, I don't. Good, good bring up. I, I like the argument. I like to, I like to bring up case. You know that 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 makes a good point. But I think there's just too many. There's too many signs throughout the movie that talk about them not being likened to water. Yeah. Um. But, Colleen's death. I want to talk about her death for for this just before we get ready to start mentioning some favorite scenes. Where when you know through, at the end of the movie they start showing you the flashbacks, and you see, you know him walking towards her. Hey, she's not even supposed to be alive. The vehicle severed her severely from the waist down. She should be dead, but yeah. we're not moving the truck until you come and talk to her. Uh, again, one of those moments that is just like awe-inspiring the dialogue and then him actually going and talking to her um tremendous writing yeah 
So I, I and I think it's it, I think it's um, prevalent to only show the flashbacks at dramatic sequences. So the first one we get after um, Mel and Joaquin's talk at night. The second one we get after the kid has the asthma attack, and the third is right when the alien is in the, in is in the living room. I think, <clears throat> yeah, swing away. And I think it, I think that he uses them perfectly and he doesn't like over rely on them. It's just like, right. Hey, here's a little, and that's here's where... a little, here's a little clip. Here's a little, what I'm trying to set up and it leads into something else. And that really makes what makes you feel like things happen for a reason. Yeah. Like so... it may kind of, kind of makes you feel like she said that, you know, yeah. The only thing I would say personally that kind of confused the heck out of me, and I thought it was really cool because I, I like the designs, but were the symbols on the door, you know, because, okay, they have hard times with doors. I get that. That's not, you know, but the symbols on the door, like the star, the moon, the, oh, you know, all that, all the geometry shapes. Why? You know what I mean? Like, what are we trying to do here? Because obviously as tall and as lanky as y'all are, y'all can't fit through those. So I understand if they cut like a big hole in the door and just step through. Yeah. But, you know, that's break windows. You're good. Y'all were trying to come in through the air vents or air ducts. Maybe, you maybe know. That's, the, that's the utensils they use. Those are the utensils, that, you know, for hanging up Christmas trees and shit like that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe those are their ornaments. That's what their <laughs> ornaments look like. But that's the only kind of nitpick that was kind of just like, I don't know why that's in there. One of the other things I think this film does so brilliantly is the score. The score by James Newton Howard is just so, it's so impeccable. It's so impeccable. It's timed well. It's just the, the hands of fate, which is basically the last, the, the score at the end of the film when he, like everything goes down is so brilliantly conducted. It's just, it's brilliant. And it brings a, another level of creepiness to the film. I think it really it helps it. Um, and, you know, like I said, even the sequence where after the, the second dog, you can hear the dog being killed outside and Joaquin asks Mel, should we turn off the lights? And, he's, and they say, they already know we're here. And you hear like the little the pitter patter of the feet going across the porch. And the film just kind of uh, and the camera just kind of just follows their movement all the way till they get to the front door. Another thing, I thought it was such a fantastic thing of the the radios catching their signals and hearing yeah. their talking. The baby, one sounded the, like uh, the baby monitors. Yeah, the baby monitor. Yeah, one sounds so similar to like a whale talk. You know what I mean? The yeah, you know, kind of thing. To where the other one sounded just clicking. Yeah. I don't I don't know how to truly explain that, but just sounds like clicking. You yeah. know, and I mean it, it's almost kind of like, okay, is that just different tones they're using? You know what I mean? It's almost fascinating right. to think of what were they kind of saying, you know? Was it back? Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, but I thought that it was cool that, you know, uh the the son picked up on that and, you know, kind of used those to not necessarily hear what they're doing, but at the same time, kind of hear that. I thought that was a little nice little piece of a uh, cinema right there. That that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, favorite scene or favorite scenes? Uh, Ed, do you want to go ahead and go? What's what's one scene that you always defines this movie for you? 
the birthday scene is the highest one because I mean, don't wrong that if that doesn't stick with you throughout almost anything other like if that isn't one thing because okay you've got like close encounters of the third kind with them trying to communicate with the two light boards and all that and switching different lights on and all that good stuff with the ships you know there's different things like that that you have throughout his his cinema history and that's just the one scene to me that is sticking out above anything um you know, because that's you can you can ask anybody about it practically. Have you seen the movie Signs? Okay, cool. This one, and they'll oh yeah, you know, kind of thing. You know, it, it they know that scene. That scene is the most well recognized easily. So that one, and then like I said earlier, the other, the kind of whole sequence of you know, I see a monster outside my window, and then him going, and then I'd say if I had to have a third the kind of comedy scene of them both going out i'm gonna whoop your ass you better get you know just falling uh, out funny. to it and all that i, I thought cursed. it was i cursed <laughs> i thought it was yeah. the dexter's laboratory scene where the little where <laughs> abigail Breslin's watching is like dad where's the remote i don't know if you check the show sofa cushions even that right there, like to find out that the girl from or the the little girl from Zombielands was the little girl from Signs, you know that was yeah. cool too. To find yeah. that out years later. My uh, my favorite scene would probably be the scene where they're talking about Group One and Group Two, and whether it's you know coincidence or not. I think that's just perfect dialogue. And then the scene where Mel Gibson is trying to calm the son down from having an asthma attack. That whole yeah. scene, you know, oh. where the alien grabs him and it just goes downhill quick from there. And he grabs his son. And he's like, just breathe with me and just breathe and breathe. Um, that whole ending sequence from that to where they go upstairs and battle the alien. Uh, it's phenomenal, honestly. And this, you know, the third time around, just paying attention to the dialogue. And Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix just blew me out of the water this time around. No pun intended with the water. Um, just a tremendous rewatch. And uh, yeah. Zach, what about you? Um, I'm just gonna say the whole movie. I'm not. I don't. I don't give a damn. It's. I mean, I. I really can't pick one scene that really stands out between all of them. I think the, the faith versus the coincidence scene is excellent. The, it, basically every from the Last Supper to the end of the film, it just keeps you on your toes. There's even one little scene in between where, um. The kids are like by this point, walking, walking uh, Phoenix is saying it's like War of the Worlds, and basically, all you know, all hell is about to break loose. And um, Rory Culkin turns to him and said, I wish you were my dad. And you know, yeah. she he says, Don't you ever say anything like that again. It cuts to Mel Gibson looking out the window, and just but like the fear on his face is just so. Like basically, he thinks that they're all gonna die, and then he closes up the the board on the window. is It's phenomenal. With in the score, it's just it swells in that scene, and you're just like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, star rating time, guys. Um, Ed, we'll start with you. Star rating for signs. Uh, this is a very dear film. Um, honestly, it, it's been a few years since I've seen it. Uh, but 
really not much has changed about it other than I, I tried to look this time from Mel Gibson or Joaquin Phoenix's eyes for that matter. Um, I mean, I'm going to give a nine either way, looking from the kid, looking from the adults, but yeah, this, this film is amazing. Uh, it's very dear. So yeah. Yeah. Nine. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a, a nice eight. Uh, I think it's a solid film. I think it has great rewatchability just because of, you know, the hour and 40 minutes flew by. Yeah. And if you don't concentrate on anything else throughout the whole movie, even though it's an alien film, concentrate on the battle that Mel Gibson is going through in his life right now with with Joaquin Phoenix and his brother and his two kids and yeah. the death of his 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 wife. Um, that in particular, and then you throw the aliens on top. Uh, hats off to M. Night Shyamalan. I don't know, 8 seems like a low score, um, but I'm just giving it a, a nice 8 for now, and uh, it, it's a great it's a great watch. If you haven't seen Signs, go check it out. Zach? Uh, um, it's interesting. I, it just kind of popped in my head. It's an alien film. It's not an alien film. It's a family drama, basically. Yeah. Um, it, it's a 10. It's one of my favorite fil- f- top 5 favorite films of all time. Um, I have a very personal connection to this film. Just a the, the sappiness of it but i mean it i was diagnosed with cancer the second time around when this movie came out uh i think i got diagnosed in the spring this movie came out in the summer yeah i remember distinctly going to see it like doing this the entire time in the theater having my eyes or having my hands over my eyes that was uh, just a few um, days ago rewatching this <laughs> um but it yeah it I I always get a smile on my face anytime someone says, oh, oh, I love signs or like they remember what that experience was like. And yeah, it's 10 out of 10 for me. And something I'm very surprised by just because of how so many people love this film. I'm surprised this did not get like a 4K re-release for its 20th anniversary. I'm very surprised by that. But. It is what it is. Maybe they're waiting same thing, for what he needs. Same thing, with the, same thing with the sixth sense. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't know what it is. I think it's, I think it's a touchstone thing. Touchstone <clears> yeah, I think it's the rights you know? to that. Yeah. Um, but if you guys want to let us know your star rating and your top five Mel Gibson movies, by all means, let us know. C i n e m e n nine two one at gmail.com. Email us at c i n e that's cinnamon. 921 at gmail.com. Uh, it's time to get into the mailbag. Um, Greg says, From uh, from Dust Till Dawn is my favorite Robert Rodriguez film without a doubt. 10 stars. Uh, Henry says, My top five Robert Rodriguez films in this order number five, Spy Kids 2, number four, Sin City, number three, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, number two, Spy Kids, and then number one, Machete. Machete. Uh, Jeffrey says, Science is an all-time great. Ten stars could watch it over and over again. Yep. Um, Lisa says, Science is a ten. It's one of the few movies that I could watch, stop, rewind, and go all the way from the beginning and watch again. Ten stars. What do you, do you think about that? Do you, I think me and Ed would agree that this has a lot of rewatchability. What do you think? This time around, I could I could see it. You know, the first time I watched it, I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, the last two times I've watched it, you know, just paying attention to it more, <laughs> I think you find something different 
every time you rewatch it. I think originally you thought this was a fi- it was fine, but now after kind of the after you got to study it a little bit more, you like it a little bit more. You like it more. Yeah, yeah, especially watching it this time around and actually just paying attention to the dialogue, it hits different. Um Barry says uh my top five Robert Rodriguez films in this order. Number five, Sin City. Number four, From Dust Till Dawn. Number three, Thomarachi. Number two, Machete. Number one, Alita, Battle Angel. Ba- Battle Angel. Uh, Omar says, Signs is awesome. I love the whole idea. Signs gets an eight for me. Uh, Sean says, uh, Is there a better M. Night Shyamalan movie? I'll wait. Let's argue. Ten stars. <laughs> Um, Sarah 97 says sign gets an all time nine stars for me, a near perfect M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, lots of love from uh, from signs. I'm gonna finish up with this one. Sam G69 says signs is still bone chilling, and no matter how old I am, it's still creepy and eerie. Sign 10 stars. Yeah, great movie to agree with that. Great yeah. movie to kick off October. Awesome. It's still so, creepy as hell. <laughs> if you guys want to send some more social media messages, emails, here it is. Facebook.com forward slash the cinnamon movie podcast. Instagram, all one word, the cinnamon movie podcast. Twitter, cinnamon405, or just email us. Fastest way, C-I-N-E-M-E-N-921 at gmail.com. Listener so. and looks like uh, current watcher Jeremy Crockett says, "Let's see if the email bag can get filled up to the top." I think it always does. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, it usually it usually gets filled up to the top. We try. Um, you know, I don't it, know. It, 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 it also has a lot to do with me, um, depending on what kind of time I have throughout the day or the week to sit down and actually respond to all the emails we get. And Something else I want to say before we wrap this up is I don't know how you guys feel about this, what I'm about to say, but signs to me, it defines like the early 2000s. It's just one of those films that just like every when I whenever I go back and think about the early 2000s, like that's one of the first movies that comes into my brain. So definitely for a genre, I will agree 100% with that. It depends, but yeah, it's one of those that movie wise is always probably top 10 of that and, and for everybody out there who sends in emails don't get discouraged if i don't read them continue yeah. to send them i only read what i respond to so even if i respond with a thumbs up i will not read your message over the show unless i respond to it that's just me personally i feel like if you have if you take the time to send in an email then you deserve the time for me to send a reply back whether it's a handshake, a fist bump, a thank you, uh, or just a thumbs up. Like, I send the reply back, and then I read it. So for those of you that, that so for those of you that have not heard it, don't get discouraged. Continue, please, to send those in. He's got to write a book to you, then he'll read it over the email. He'll, yeah. he'll read it over the show. Um, but other than that, guys, next week we, we have a little bit more of a original horror-like feel. Next week... We talk a nightmare in Elm Street Three, The Dream Warriors. This is considered the best nightmare outside of the original. We've only talked two of them. We talked the original nightmare back in the day in 2018, and then a few years ago we talked Wes Craven's new nightmare. Um, 
Zach, we'll start with you. What is uh, what does Freddie mean to you, and what are you most looking forward to about talking about next week? Um, I think Freddie, to me, Freddie is like one of the you can make an argument top three horror characters ever made. He's, honestly, he's one of the forefathers. He is. He's one of the forefathers. If you had a, uh, <laughs> you had a uh, Mount Rushmore of horror characters, I think he'd be on the wall. Hey Ed. <laughs> but uh yeah this is a first time watch i've seen it already and uh it'll be a it's it'll be a fun conversation first time watch for you next week so i can't wait to get your comments on the film edward nightmare on elm street 3 dream warriors what are you most looking forward to about talking about next week uh rewatch honestly um zach what'd you get to watch it on did you find it on somewhere um, it's actually streaming. I rented it from the library, but it's actually streaming on HBO Max right now. HBO Max it up. I haven't said that in such a long time. HBO Max it up. Ed, again, I'm sorry. What are you most looking forward to about seeing it next week? Uh, yeah, just kind of rewatching it. Uh, it's been the first time in a few years since I've watched this one as well. Uh, but yes, yeah, uh, Dream Warriors. It's been one of my favorites. So yeah, I mean, honestly, HBO can't Max wait it to up. see it. You know. Uh, it is on Tubi for free as well, but I mean, you know. Again, HBO next Max next week, guys, Monday, October the 10th, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Uh, and then after that, we go back to the theaters. October 17th, Halloween Ends. October 24th, The Bone Collector, Denzel. October 31st, Halloween Night, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Um, Ed? Anything else you want to mention or talk about with uh, signs before we get out of here? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Both y'all looking like some Hershey's kisses. Look at y'all. <laughs> I got something you can, you can eat. Oh, you know. You can unwrap uh, me. First off, uh, nah, man. Signs. Um, if you haven't seen this, I don't know where you are. If you're just not into the. Um, Aliens, I guess, or horror, or Shyamalan, know, anything like that, or the Shyamalan, you know. Uh, I get it, but other than that, man, if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Like, this is one of the best movies of the early 2000s, so hit this thing up. But this is Ed saying, I'll see you on the silver screen. Zach, next week, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, what do you want to leave everybody with signs today? Uh, just go see it. I mean, truthfully, this film is 20 years old. I think all of us would agree that it still holds up 20 years later. I think it's a damn good film. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm, I'm so glad we finally got to talk about it. Uh, next week with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun conversation. And I will say just to, well, we'll save it. So we'll see you next week. Next week, guys, October 10th, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Signs. Thank you, everybody, for this conversation. Thank you for listening and tuning into Cinnamon Movie Podcast. Uh, we thank you guys every single week. We appreciate it. Episode two fourteen next week. Freddie's oh. back. Johnny, Ed, where are you guys going this weekend? Is that this uh, weekend or next weekend? We'll talk to you about that a little bit later, Zach. Nightmare on okay. Elm Street three next week. Freddie is back, and we're talking about him next week right here on the Cinnamon. Movie podcast. Bye. One, two, three, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs>